This is episode number 13 with Okan McAllister. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nard, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Before introducing today's guest, let me guys tell you a little bit more about the Mindset Nation community, a Facebook group that I highly recommend you to join. In this community, you have the chance to get in touch with other like-minded listeners, the incredible guests on the show, and of course with me, the host himself. You can ask questions, give feedback, and engage in different conversations. On top of that, you will know everything about the most important freebies and takeaways and the latest news about brand new episodes. You can join this community by simply clicking on the link in the show notes or visiting our website mindsethorizon.com. So let's dive into the introduction. My guest today is Oaken McAllister, and in this episode, we talk about Oaken's entrepreneurial journey, personal transformation, and transition from his marketing startup, which was merely set up for profit, to an impact-driven approach and starting his own business in social entrepreneurship. Oaken talks about the so-called golden principle that helped him make a big decision in his life, find courage, and continue to pursue an impact in social entrepreneurship. He talks about why we are not equipped to make such big decisions and how getting to know ourselves deeply can help us move forward and improve our life and business. He also shares why asking yourself the right questions are the key to finding your answers deep inside. We talk about Oaken's current business, Prime Movers, which provides full scholarships to a hands-on leadership program for young people passionate about social and environmental change. And now a couple of words about Oaken. Oaken McAllister is the founder of the award-winning social enterprise Prime Movers, as well as Kinby, One Day, Mission Liftoff, among others. After leaving the first startup he founded in marketing, he decided to transition to social entrepreneurship during his university years. Driven by the inspiration of work that aims to solve complex societal challenges, he specializes in capacity building in various areas ranging from marketing to systems thinking for future entrepreneurs and organizations. As a strong believer in the power of the right mindset, he's also a mentor in several international organizations in the field of entrepreneurship. He's taken international stages ranging from the United Nations to European Forum ABACH, talking about social entrepreneurship and societal change. Oaken enjoys talking about the future over a chilled glass of white wine as much as he likes taking action towards it. He is Turkish by the origin and the global citizen at heart. So without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi Oaken and welcome to the show. Hello Tibor, thanks for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show, especially because... Uh, we both live in Vienna, and it is it is a great pleasure to connect with someone from the city that I live in. And so before we go deeper into your current activities and aspirations, business, prime movers, whatever, tell us a little bit more about your background, where you are from, 
uh, your personal journey, entrepreneurial journey, all those things? Okay, cool. So um, I was born in Turkey. I was born and raised in Turkey. Um, I think the first time I remember dabbling in entrepreneurship was when I was probably around 13. I put together a compilation album with talented musicians that weren't signed to music labels. Um, and we were selling these CDs at parties and stuff like that. So it was like something small, but uh, that's kind of like when uh, I kind of experienced it uh, the first time that I remember. Um, then I essentially followed my parents around. Uh, I lived in Sweden for a year, and then I came back to uh, I came to Vienna for the first time, and then I went to Canada for my first bachelor. Uh, I studied uh, film studies there, actually, and there I created my first kind of quote-unquote real registered company, and uh, this was in real estate marketing. And then I came back to Vienna, and I was involved in different youth organizations and a few other things here and there, and then I did another bachelor's in economics and business, and I did my master's in banking and finance, and now I am all in in the social business field. Wow. So there was film study and marketing business. So how did you uh, start the marketing uh, company from after studying film and how came uh, business afterwards? So what was the story behind it? Yeah, I mean, I was always actually interested in economics and business and stuff in high school as well. But I, to be honest, at the time, I thought it was quite lame to study uh, business. <laughs> I wanted to like study the arts. Um, and then after I did the startup, I was like, okay, I mean, I really like this. I think I should study business as well. So, um, it was, a, and in terms of the startup, it was quite a simple business model. Actually. Um, mm -hmm. we, we were creating uh, virtual tours for real estate agents and, and real estate companies. So we would take professional photos and video tours of the listings that they were trying to sell or rent. And we would put them in like a page where they can refer people to. And uh, we had a fixed price. Uh, we didn't touch their commission percentages. And it saved them a significant amount of time because their leads were considerably stronger because the representation of the listings were more accurate. So they only got contacted by the people who were really interested. So, yeah, uh, it worked out. They were able to sell more houses throughout the year. And, yeah. Well, was there a specific reason behind that business idea or did it come just like just like a inspiration or what was the reason for starting um, that business? I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail, but essentially there was no, there was uh, there was no uh, fancy kind of reason behind it. It was just mm -hmm. um, just to make money, to be honest. And it was uh, just a good idea that worked very well, very quickly. Mm. And so uh, during your entrepreneurial journey, um, did you face any difficulties and challenges along along the way? And when I say challenges, um, mainly on a personal level, like uh, starting your first business, for example, was there some kind of uh, fear of failure, fear of success, fear mm -hmm. of being laughed at? Because I think a lot of people who who are starting out uh, or starting their businesses can face such fears nowadays and they yeah. need to overcome those things. So did you experience some kind of fears or any difficulties? Um, of course. Um but I always had a different relationship with challenge and uh, stress. Um, I think I have a relatively higher tolerance for that sort of thing because I see it as a very regular and expected part of uh, part of life. To me, it's almost. Um, I think like the stress uh, and challenge comes from 
comes stronger from unexpected circumstances. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's almost a very spoiled perspective to have when we get stressed so easily because it implies that it wasn't expected. Like, of course, you're going to be stressed during your startup, before your startup, in the early stages, during Series A and your management buyout and afterwards. And like, it's a very normal part of um, the whole journey. Mm -hmm. Um, If I think retrospectively, though, the things that I spent a lot of time thinking about um, were big life decisions. So deciding uh, to do this or that. So especially coming from the business and finance side of the education, going into social startups and youth engagement is not just only fun, right? I'm 30 years old and it's going, it's something that is going to affect many parts of your life. And there might be, Mm -hmm. for example, people listening to this and thinking, yeah, I did, I did in fact go to the corporate side of things and now I want to do my own thing. And, you know, this is a very common question, for example, like, should I quit right away or should I try to get paying customers first, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. uh, my perspective on that is that I think the main problem is the fact that people are not equipped to make those decisions. Um, mm-hmm. Big decisions can bring doubt, um, anxiety, fear to the table, as you mentioned, the fear of failure, success, being humiliated. Um, that's my perspective on that. And and if you like, so like, how do you, of course, like overcome those feelings, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and in my perspective, there's there was always uh, one kind of a golden principle that I adhere to just in my personal life. And that is knowing yourself. So this know thyself principle. So before you know yourself, um, you cannot develop yourself. And if you do not develop yourself, you cannot develop your business. And I feel that most people ignore this um, know thyself principle. And this is why they're not equipped to make decisions like these, right? Like if you, um, if you imagine your life, right? Like to be an ocean and you're in the middle of it with a little fishing boat, let's say, right? In my perspective, people are more focused on trying to overcome this fear and anxiety by trying to control the waves in the ocean, right? You cannot control the waves if you're sitting in a little fishing boat. Don't worry about what's going to happen if you quit or if your startup will work. Just worry about being the best boat possible, right? It doesn't make any sense to me. So worrying about, like, worry about knowing yourself, worry about developing yourself so that the waves are ineffective instead of trying to control the waves because there will always be waves. There was and will always be waves. Right? It doesn't matter how much money you have or if you got the investment and the fancy office, they're always going to be there. What is important is what you can do when the waves hit and how you can handle the eventual kind of storms. Right? And for me, like taking that perspective, um, just now uh, staying away from the metaphors and trying to be more applicable and specific. Um, what I kind of um, did to make sure that uh, my boat can handle all those things, um, and it's been very difficult but very useful, uh, is a high level of self-awareness. And this, I think, starts with um, very challenging internal dialogue. Uh, it starts with, you know, observing patterns with your relationship with friends and family and partners and of course importantly upbringing and you know and asking yourself the simple question of why over and over again it'll take you of course a level of very radical honesty uh, to give yourself insightful answers and I myself didn't feel ready to even confront that for a very long time but you know just ask yourself you know you keep uh, complaining about um, your job but why is it important that you work for this investment bank 
why is it important for you to work for this company that has a reputation that make people go, oh, really, that cool, that's nice, a nice place to work, or I know that company. Why is that important to you? Why do you have a, you know, damaging relationship with the word success? Why is it important for you to have a, you know, hedonistic or overly self-indulgent lifestyle? Why is it important for you to be seen at a certain place in social hierarchies, you know, or show others how smart you are? Or why is your identity so attached to what you do as your job? Why do you accept switching from your identity to who you are as a person so easily? So there's like a couple hundred questions that you can ask yourself to really dig, you know, deep down and go to places and open those doors uh, about all those things you need to confront. And, uh, you know, you need to be, I think you need to be ready to address those things. And it takes a lot of courage and time. And it's a gradual process, but it's a very liberating one. And, um, and when you feel strong enough to be able to do all of that, and then you start gaining a level of clarity and confidence to handle those waves. So before that, I think you're not so well equipped to make those big decisions for yourself. And for me, I know that my decision, for example, wasn't the easiest. I also know that in three years, if all of this like fails and I'm 33 and I know that I will take a few weeks off and start another startup. And if that one fails, I'll do the same. And if all the startups I ever attempted failed before I died, I'm also okay with that. You know, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't feel stressed because of other people's kind of labels and expectations of me. If people see me as like the guy who's, you know, working too much and now quote unquote, we're using this word a lot, um, hustling and all this stuff and trying to create all these startups at the same time. Da, da, da. At the end of the day, these are projections, right? I mean, you get, when you get caught up in all of that, then you, you know, create this identity knowingly or subconsciously. You, you create this identity that you feel like you need to uphold. And that's when like burnouts and stuff like that happens, in my opinion, because you don't even realize that you're in a vortex until it's too late. My perspective um, about it is a bit, I don't know, maybe it's a bit, maybe different. I don't know. I don't see myself as that guy. I'm, you know, I'm Okan. I want to do things I enjoy just like everyone else. And I want to, I want to create value to the collective and not just individual. And I'd like to build something um, that lives after me. That's not just a business with, you know, doors and walls with people creating demand for things that we don't even need so they can feed their kids. So it's pretty simple. So, you know, work on your boat. Otherwise, you're always going to be anxious about the waves. Wow. So many things that I would like to go back and talk about. Uh, let's see, right? So you were mm -hmm. talking about, for example, identity, right. uh, the why. Uh, I put down mindset. I think you haven't mentioned mindset, but uh, I was interpreting all these things as a mindset when it comes to failure. So yeah. when you were talking about uh, the waves and things like that. So one of the things I want to go back to is uh, you mentioned big life decisions, like you decided to become a social entrepreneur. Um, and, and, and you mentioned that people should be equipped Uh, well equipped to to make these decisions and then and then handle the waves. So how does it look like when someone is well equipped, for example? Um, just knowing the just knowing yourself very well, right? Just being super honest with yourself, knowing the reason behind why you do things. Um, it could be something even small, like knowing or realizing um, why you react a certain way to certain situations. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just being confident in your abilities to analyze what you do and how you decide things and what you decide on and you know how healthy they are for you and and being honest about it all 
I cannot agree more, to be honest, because when it comes to business, um, I might say any kind of business, but in general, uh, you should focus on your personal development as a business owner or an owner founder or CEO or whatever. And as as much as you are as you focus on the strategies, marketing, whatever it is, business strategies. Exactly. So to de- to de- to develop all these things, right? So you want to develop yourself as a person as well, because identity is one of the most powerful uh, transformation tools when it comes to business. I think Tony Robbins had a quote. Yes, Tony Robbins Robbins had this quote: "You will follow through on who you believe you are." And it's your identity is very much connected to your beliefs as well. So if you believe that you are this and that person, I don't know, successful entrepreneur, you are going to do whatever it takes to to follow through on your goals, dreams, whatever. So identity is a really powerful thing. And beliefs and mindset is very much connected to identity. So the things that you were talking about are, wow. So I wanted to go back to the social entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. uh decision like your decision how did you end up in social entrepreneurship and what was the reason was there why because it was a big decision if i understood i understand you well right yeah Yeah, well um i've always had a sort of this uh what i realized later on to be a more like socially conscious side um I started noticing this when I was a kid where I always had a very big issue with injustice or what I at the time perceived to be, you know, unjust. And this could literally, literally be about anything. I will, I'm not talking about like, you know, um, forests and stuff like that. But if I felt like something wasn't fair or somebody was not being fair to somebody else and I always got personally involved in that situation, it really annoyed me. And I never to this day understand why, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, but actually my dreams didn't really include creating, value for society um to be honest my it was quite material i wanted a house uh, a car i would dream of having a barbecue in the backyard and having dogs and a loving partner of course and all that stuff and um as i mentioned earlier i was also into music i used to produce music when i was younger so i was had a dream of having like a home studio that i would design with all this you know nice equipment and you know i would just have a you know, a stable job and climb the ladder and, you know, just hang out, throw dinner parties all the time and barbecues and stuff like that. I mean, I thought that, you know, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty chill. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and also like just a very quick side note, as a quick reference to what I mentioned earlier, I also thought about later on after it was all said and done, I also thought about why I wanted those things too, you know, and I've found many answers and I didn't, you know, have the most fortunate upbringing financially, for example. And my main goal was stability and finishing university and getting a job. And people around me in high school were, you know, wealthy and made things a lot worse for me internally because I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? And they are like, everybody's inheriting a bunch of stuff. You know, I don't have the security blanket. I also want to leave my kids something one day, but I also want to be rich and I want to have all the stuff. And I wanted all the stuff. You know, I wanted the stuff. So, and, you know, how does this relate to social entrepreneurship, of course? Um, But coming back to my dream, right, with the dogs and the barbecue, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I did have a more socially conscious side to me as well, to some degree. But, um, but, you know, that was not, that was completely unseen during this period. It was all about the stuff that I described. So um mm-hmm. i did that yeah. first startup and i actually started realizing um that that dream i had was actually quite small 
right? It wasn't very, uh, it wasn't really so out there. And you could achieve that actually with a regular, I don't know, like an accountant salary probably, I don't know. But, uh, but I had made those dreams during a time where I thought I would never be able to own a car or anything in my life. And this was um, actually very lucky. So the fact that my dreams were so small, I think, like when I think back, was the main reason that I made the change, I think. Because what happened actually was I did manage to have all those things. I had a home studio and a flat screen TV and I had two dogs and I had a loving partner and the good barbecue with the cast iron grill and the side cooker thing that I never actually used. And, and then I started realizing, okay, so what now? What's next? And I, wow. I did the startup. I wasn't like a millionaire or something and have these huge exits, but I, I managed to have this life that I was dreaming of at the time, right? And I did the startup to make money. And there was no other reason. I'm being completely honest. There was no other reason. And so what do you do then? Do I just buy more stuff? You know, I had a sneaker collection and a cologne yeah. collection and a watch collection. And <laughs> But again, like in relation to my dreams, so like I would never buy a Rolex or something, but like Dolce & Gabbana or something, which yeah. I don't think they even make good watches. Yeah. It's just the brand. But uh, <laughs> this was great, but of course, also a very confusing time for me. It was, it was the first time in my life that I realized I don't want to do this forever, despite the fact that I reached a level in my life where I, where I thought like, okay, I have a good life. And this was the same time I found out about social entrepreneurship. And to be honest, I never heard of it before. I thought to have impact in the world, you either go into politics or work for an NGO or something like that. And I never entertained the thought that you can make money and create value for society as a whole at the same time. And uh, right when I was kind of having this dilemma, I came across social entrepreneurship just online and um, you know just got into it, learning more and more about it. And uh, I dissolved my company in about about six weeks after that. And I have been uh, doing stuff like this since. Wow. Um, and was there uh, some kind of, uh, how to say, turning point, um, some kind of uh, realization that you become, uh, that you became more conscious that this is not the life that you want anymore? So were you searching for uh, other solutions, other way, ways of entrepreneurship, or was this just a coincidence? How was it unfolding for you? I mean, it was the, the, the breaking point for me was the fact that I was able to afford all those little things that I wanted and I never thought that I would be able to. Mm -hmm. And then when I did, it was just like, okay, so I like kind of like what I wanted to study in my whole life and kind of like the plan you have in your early twenties of what's going to happen with your life and whatever that all kind of fell apart because I realized all of that, the things that I was kind of like planning to do with my life and that at that age was completely just, you know, completely not purposeful at all. It was just completely uh, useless. Uh, that's how I felt it was useless. And I was like, okay, if I'm not chasing stuff, you know, quote unquote, um, what am I chasing? How do I want to live my life? Because um, that, mm. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess a lot of entrepreneurs are going to be listening to this, so I don't want to step on any toes. <laughs> but I to me that's not a, that interesting of a life to just like keep chasing for more whatever more is because that'll never end but um yeah that was kind of the that was kind of the thing for me just thinking about you know how do i want to you get this this one you know life and you're not even here for so yeah. long actually and um, or at least it doesn't feel that way uh and you know you get to if you are lucky of course we're very privileged you get to choose how you want to live it. So, yeah, 
I think, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. And to be honest, um, I can resonate with this very well because I, I wouldn't say I was in a similar situation, but uh, my personal transformation and I would say mindset, mindset shift was when I was working in Germany. So mm. I'm from Hungary and I moved out to Germany three years ago and I was working there as an architect and um, I started to earn that that amount of money that I was thriving for, uh, you know, so I, I had this uh, image in my head that I should earn much more money uh, as an engineer. And so in Hungary, I didn't have the chance to to earn that much. And so I moved out and I was and I started to earn that that money. And so when I started to earn that money, I started to ask different questions uh, from myself, right? So long-term questions. So where do I want to live? Do I want to live in Germany uh, in the long run? And if yes, why? If not, if no, then why not, right? And so what do I want to do? Uh, I mean, what do I want to want to do as, a, as my profession? And so all those questions. And I was, I think I was uh, 20... 27 or so and I started to ask all these questions and that was the point when I started to read personal development books started to uh, listen to podcasts whatever just to open up my mind right so I had this mind mindset shift and uh, belief system shift when you uh, open up for other things so for example you are learning and through learning you are generating new beliefs what is possible for you what can be possible for you and all those things and um so i, I think i was just opening up right and and there, there was this shift and since then a lot of things happen but it's another story and it's this yeah. is not my episode. <laughs> but um your story very very much resonates with me because yeah i had i had a i had a shift as well a couple of years ago but i was coming from a corporate world and getting into uh, entrepreneurship and my first thing was that i wanted to get into the world of entrepreneurship uh because the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world can be very much different and so yeah it's, it's, it's another story but uh you started in entrepreneurship and tell us a little bit more about this uh social entrepreneurship so for example why why are you passionate about this topic and and what what what, what is your business right now in social social entrepreneurship um, well, um, when I was a, um, kid, I actually wanted to, um, be a president because I mean, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a president of my own country. Dream I, big, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It wasn't like an ambitious filled thing. I just was like, in my head, I wanted to be a president because then I could like, I wanted to actually be a president of a small, like irrelevant micronation. I didn't want to be a president of my country. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my head, I was always like, whatever I learned uh, throughout uh, my teenage years and whatever else, I was always applying it to my uh, little country and, uh, you know, like just kind of like a little simulation of like, if I learn something, when I learn something new, I would just be like, how would this affect, you know, how do you cultivate a happy society or is it possible to learn all this stuff? And, um, but that was also partly because like I was kind of, um, grow up believing that, you know, if you want to have some sort of change in the world, that you need to go into politics and all this mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, it wasn't long until I, I like, 
I gave up on uh, kind of wanting to get into politics. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but uh, it's just not was wasn't so interesting for me because I realized that you know it's really not that fast and not that hands on, and so um, that's why social entrepreneurship is very interesting for me because on one hand there's this the entrepreneurial side which I still very much love. Um, I still have that entrepreneurial drive, but also at the same time that you can really take things into your own hands in, in some ways and really do something. And, you know, it's a combination of the two things that I, I really like. So, wow. It sounds really interesting. And when we, uh, let's dive into a little bit into your, uh, current business, which is prime movers. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are the focuses of prime movers? What do you do? Right. So, um, When I look kind of outside of my current bubble right now, um, it's quite easy for me to see that people are getting a bit more um, apathetic and disillusioned about what's going on in the world or outside mm. of their country or outside of their neighborhood even. Mm. And um, we just want to, you know, go home to our toys. And there's so much stuff going on in the world that it's just very yeah. overwhelming. Um, yeah, yeah. People, not everybody, of course, like people don't feel responsible for it on their personal lives, and mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not judging that. There's many different reasons for that, um, but this is, you know, what's happening, and and we're teaching like the next generations um, to confuse lack of know-how with impossibility when it comes to changing stuff, changing things in the world, or you know, facilitating some sort of positive change. You know, can someone change systems, for example? What can we do? How can we do it? Do we truly understand the understand the problem we're trying to solve? And so we devised a, a leadership program essentially for young people who are passionate mm -hmm. about social and environmental change. And we offer full scholarships to this program. Um, mm -hmm. It's a two-year-long program um, covering a lot of change-maker skills and a lot of entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurship skills. Uh, from, you know, branding to emotional intelligence and everything in between. And, you know, its goal is to make people believe that, you know, the world is shaped by people, um, by you. And we develop initiators or, as we call, prime movers uh, by teaching them what the problem is, but also how could they take action systemically. Um, and we'd like systems thinking to be one of the norms for young people passionate about change. And meanwhile, we are essentially building a group of social businesses that we can also use to hedge against each other as well as, as well for further impact and, uh, you know, financial sustainability. Uh, and what are those, uh, change maker skills? If you just want to name a few, because I, I have seen it on the website as well. And you were, you mentioned it, like what, what are the most important ones that you are focusing on? Um, we have a lot of uh, professional uh, development uh, skills. Like mm -hmm. these are very, um, these are entrepreneurship skills. So this could be marketing or customer discovery or branding or even graphic design mm -hmm. and communication. And there's so many, so many different, uh, so many different yeah. things. And we also mm -hmm. have um, personal um, mm -hmm. as well, personal uh, development stuff as well. Um, mm -hmm. and those are things like it could be stuff starting from like, um, time management and productivity. And, um, we also have a, we also touch a lot on growth mindset. And this is basically also one of the main things we look at when we recruit people to this program, um, emotional intelligence and, you know, even how to cope with stress and stuff like that. But the, the, the 
thing that actually teaches them, you know, they have the contents uh, in the workshops, but the thing that really teaches them is, is when they apply these. So the program has um, three kind of phases, um, which we call the three E's. So there's education, engagement, and employment. So they go through these applicable workshops on interpersonal skills and professional skills. Um, and then they spend around five to 10 hours uh, volunteering for the social businesses that we have. And after the program, they get a chance to be employed in the social businesses, or they can also become co-founders and get shares and start their own thing or work for another organization that's creating value for society. And um, yeah, this is where it kind of gets more interesting when they apply what they're learning. And and what are those social businesses uh, that you have? Uh, is it are they within Primeware? So do you do you create uh, social businesses within Primeware's? Right. Right. So um, we have Primeovers. Uh, we have uh, one called Kinbee. Uh, this is an online store where you can rent baby clothing. Uh, we mm-hmm. have one called One Day. Um, it's like a community meetup, systems innovation process, annual conference, all rolled into one. Um, we can talk about that a little more in detail later. Um, and we have one called Mission Liftoff, um, where we teach children and also teachers um about social issues social and environmental issues mm-hmm. yeah and um i wanted to get back to teachers for example you you also mentioned you, you mentioned again teachers like are they external teachers or are they uh your teachers how do you or who do you work with actually um so we work with different types of schools um mm-hmm. are you talking about for the formation liftoff or yeah, for the workshops uh, and mission liftoff, for example. But you can talk about mission liftoff first, and yeah. then the teachers as well. Yeah. So with mission liftoff, we work with different schools, uh, different types of schools. So in Austria, there are different you know types of schools, and we work with. Uh, we, are, we are open to work with all of them. We've done different workshops for the different schools. Uh, for the workshops, uh, we have um, me doing a lot of the workshops, uh, and also different partners that we are pulling uh, into. Um, do some of the workshops as well. So, what is what is Mission Liftoff? Just for my understanding, once more, once more time. Yeah. So, uh, Mission Liftoff um, is a program um, where we try to teach um, children about social and environmental issues. Mm-hmm. So, this came from the obvious idea that if we do not educate young people on societal issues as early as possible, of course, this positive change will not come in time, right? But how do you integrate? education about social and environmental issues in every classroom in the world you know we already make offline workshops with kids about these issues Mm -hmm. and we are increasingly noticing that the kids are actually not the problem um usually it's the actually the parents and the teachers um and doing a few workshops here in some schools you know make us makes us sound good but i think we can be a lot more impactful than that and lobbying for this change in education system through the normal ways will take way too much time so we found a different way to surpass all that bureaucracy. So what we do is we do our workshop offline mm-hmm. and we take a lot of feedback from the kids and teachers. And when we feel like our workshops get to a certain level of quality, we convert them into detailed lesson plans. Mm-hmm. And we provide these lesson plans on our platforms to teachers. And uh, when teachers want to change up a class or have a free class, the work is done for them. They just need to read through the instructions we provided and facilitate and interactive workshops workshop to their students. 
So it saves a lot of time for them as well. Mm -hmm. And we also include a short introductory video for teachers who have no background knowledge uh, so they can answer some questions as well and give them further resources. So, you know, we're not trying to, you know, beg headmistresses and talk to ministries and da, da, da. we have this direct line to teachers. Um, that's kind of the way we want to scale with that. And, you know, they can download these lesson plans, save a lot of time and do something different and interactive and also teach their class about something else that is going on uh, mm -hmm. that is going to be useful for them in the future. Mm. Wow, sounds really interesting. I want to go back a little bit to uh, prime movers, I mean, core areas. We haven't talked about that, but mm. I know that you're focusing on uh, three key areas when it comes to social entrepreneurship. And one is waste and food waste. Second one is gender equality and digitalization. Mm, would you tell us a little bit more about those areas? Yeah, so um, we chose those areas. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the world, so you, we just kind of had to have a focus. Uh, so there's not something like super special behind the reasons why we chose them. But mm -hmm. um, for waste and food waste, of course, responsible consumption is uh, significantly um, more and more important in richer countries. So in Austria, for example, we are um, wasting... 100 kilos more than the year average when it comes mm -hmm. to edible food waste mm -hmm. um so and you know responsible consumption is really important and you know even when you look at like co2 uh, production and stuff like that and you know people look at graphs and say yeah like china and india these are the areas where they need to produce less co2 and all that stuff and mm -hmm. then when you zoom into that uh graph actually which a lot of people don't do you realize that majority of that is actually so that they can make stuff that we we use so mm -hmm. that's a lot of that comes from our consumption patterns um so that was kind of like the reason behind that um the gender equality at austria has a lot of catching up to do i think there um especially for also the european standards um i think we still have the second highest uh, gender wage gap in europe and um Digitalization, um, I felt at the time that there was not enough being done in that um, area. Mm -hmm. And when I say digitalization, we're not like teaching kids how to code and stuff like that. We are more concerned with um, the implications of digitalization on society. So mm -hmm. more, you know, information literacy, media competence, you know, this fake news stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, data privacy of minors and that sort of thing, data privacy and all mm -hmm. those things. And we felt there's not a lot being done here, at least uh, when it comes to that. So that was mm -hmm. the third issue. And do you focus on Austria um, itself or do you want to, uh, let's say, do businesses internationally or what, what's, what's, the, what's the aim of the of Prime Movers? Yeah, um, like depends on the venture, right? So, um, mm -hmm. like for example, with Kinby, we'll start. We'll, we're starting in Vienna and then Austria, and then we'll try the Dach region if it makes sense. And uh, mm -hmm. with other ventures, we're also thinking international, but it's quite um, it's too early for any of that right now. I think for us, so we definitely do want to scale um, the conference, especially. Well, I mean, I would be happy if the actual innovation process that we are using is scaled more than the conference. To be honest. Um, mm -hmm. And also it'd be really nice, of course, if there are other chapters of Prime Movers uh, around the world. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about then then the conference and, and Kinby, because you, you mentioned both and mm -hmm. we haven't talked about them yet. So um, 
let's start with the conference then um it's um as i said it's like a community meetup you know a systems innovation process mm-hmm. an annual conference like all all at once so it came out of the statement that one day we'll live in a world that we're proud of and you know it manifests itself in quarterly meetups and this annual conference which is about systems thinking social innovation and social entrepreneurship mm-hmm. which is how we essentially work as well so we use systems thinking to understand problems we use social innovation to come up with ideas and we use social entrepreneurship to implement those ideas um and it is centered um around the main session we have in the conference called the one day lab and this is where it gets uh, particularly interesting um so before the conference um through the year we talk to academics ngos and companies and we ask them where they find resistance to change why things are not moving forward at the pace we would like we ask them a lot of different questions and um then we identify patterns within their answers and we create challenges that we need to solve that comes out of these talks so we talk about these um different challenge areas in our meetups and then eventually we bring these to the one day lab at the conference and people then work with experts in a workshop setting and they come up with ideas uh with us for apps websites social businesses and educational frameworks and um yeah and you know the the besides all of the heavy mediating and the research beforehand what is like more special usually is that after the conference we select the ideas that we like and we take on the implementation as prime movers so ideas don't just uh, stay ideas and of course if somebody wants to join us to implement them that their old ideas are open source so mm-hmm. they can also wow. do that and is it open for everyone like the conference is public or for the yeah prime yeah, mover? yeah. yeah? Yeah. yeah, the conference is definitely public. Um, usually we attract 18 to 35 crowd, but also a lot of different experts from different areas. So mm-hmm. NGOs, um, it's also like the conference is our way of also breaking silos a little bit. Um, because when we do these interviews throughout the year, we're talking to, to people and organizations that don't really have the time to talk to each other. And we're kind of just like, in a way, mediating between them, right? That mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't inconvenience anybody. Um and you know yeah just meet in the conference and it's it's cool you know it's just everybody gets to you know be together and um the people like the young younger people or just everybody in general that are really passionate about these issues get a chance to like sit on the same table as as experts um uh, with the experts um that are knowledgeable about the area you're passionate about and you get to work together mm. I want to get back to two things, but one first, you you mentioned passionate about. So I wanted to ask, uh, what do you think um, regarding these people uh, who are joining Prime Movers, for example, these these young people, students, youth, uh, what are they most passionate about when it comes to social entrepreneurship? What is your experience? Um, well, there are two things, right? They want to do something purposeful and valuable towards an issue that they are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we work with a lot of young people, sometimes they're not passionate about a certain particular um, issue, but they're passionate about a lot of different things. You know, you're passionate about gender equality and passionate about sustainability and passionate about this and that, um, which is good, of course. <laughs> um, and the second thing, besides the fact that they want to do something valuable, is that they want to do something that they like to do in their life, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
of course, a lot of them were, of course, curious about all oh, this, like, you know, I want to go into corporate life and then I will quit and do something else that is, you know, valuable, whatever. Um, and usually the intersection of those sets is through our, through our program. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, personal yeah. development, professional development, this impact, um, impact um, layer that is both personal and also um, social and also systemic. So, yeah. yeah. Positive impact. That sounds really, really great. And I wanted to get back to systems thinking. Like what's, what's the core of systems thinking, for example? Right. Um, systems thinking will, you know, mean slightly different things to different fields, uh, but it's essentially um, our attempt to analyze systems by focusing on how the parts, how the constituents of that system interrelate to each other. So if you think of a system as a network of nodes, let's say, um, systems thinking will look at the relationship between those nodes. It will look mm-hmm. at how they change over time and it will look at how they work in relation to other systems. And um, there's this new like upcoming term now, systems entrepreneurship is essentially systems thinking applied to you know entrepreneurship um yeah and it's you know it's uh not always the same thing as social entrepreneurship um yeah it's a combination of kind of what we do yeah and 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 could you could you tell us an example for example when you use system thinking as a method or concept to to solve a problem or something like that right um when we look at, for example, um, when we look at our findings with social in social entrepreneurship, we find out more and more that the problems we are trying to solve uh, in the world are not complicated problems, but they're complex problems. This means, for instance, mm-hmm. that um, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to the problem. So if you think about homelessness, it manifests itself uh, with way different ways around the world. Uh, so it's also uh, different, uh, difficult to see the causalities, see the success. Um, it's very difficult to change the, uh, sorry, it's diffi- difficult to measure the change. Um, the industries, sectors, um, stakeholders that are affected by this problem are very diverse. Um, and, you know, the methods we need to utilize even needs to change very rapidly. It changes all the time. And... There is no kind of one single entity, organization, NGO, government, whatever, that can solve this problem. So those are like the kind of the um, attributes of complex problems. And um, systems entrepreneurship or systems thinking um, uses like this to understand the problem to its core first and then tries to offer a solution through a multi-stakeholder collaboration. So the multi-stakeholder mm-hmm. part is extremely important here. While entrepreneurship might be more focused on um, individual measurement on a common topic, the multi-stakeholders, sometimes called collective collaboration, is co-created and collaboratively, of course. Um, so the, the three things um, that we do in very simple terms is one is understand. So we, we, we focus on understanding the problem first. Um, and this is, we believe this is done by a multi-stakeholder dialogue. This is why we talk to NGOs and academics and companies at the same time. Uh, the second thing is co-creation. That's very important. And this is why we have the conference. 
-hmm. And then, of course, the implementation part. So actually doing something about it afterwards, uh, which is what we do with Prime Overs. Wow. Uh, so you're very much uh, in contact with other NGOs uh, with different projects, right? Um, yes, here and there. Um, we usually hold uh, personal interviews. So we don't host like roundtables and stuff like that. Uh, we just go and sit down with um, people in that, in that organization and just ask a bunch of questions like an annoying four-year-old. You know, we're just like, why, why, why is this this way? Why is that? We're trying to really dig deep. Um, yeah. And uh, of course, when the ideas come out of the conference and stuff like that, we go back to them and say, okay, does this make sense? Does this make sense from an environmental perspective? And, you know, we had ideas that came out of the conference that made sense from a business perspective, but it didn't really make sense from an environmental perspective. So we didn't take them. And yeah, we'd go back and, uh, you know, talk mm. to them. Wow. It's, it's a really, really uh, interesting topic. And um, let's talk about a little bit Kinbi because we haven't talked talked about it mm -hmm. yet what is this uh, all about so um kinby is an online store um, where you can rent baby clothing and accessories um, and part of the profits from that uh, funds mission liftoff the project we talked about earlier where we help teach kids about sustainability um, mm -hmm. and for us internally it's a bit more than that um, we what we would like to do is we would like to create the best case practice for textiles in e-commerce uh, from a circular economy perspective. And, um, you know, the best thing to do with a piece of textile is, for example, to prolong its life as long as possible. And we essentially mm -hmm. tied a business model around that. That has a value proposition. So what's, what's, what's the business? How does it look like? So, um, you know, people go to our website and they select items that they like and they pay a monthly price on the box that they've created and they pay around five to ten percent uh, a month of the retail price and you know because they the baby uh, grows up very quickly they need to change sizes after like every three to four months uh, mm -hmm, they end mm -hmm. up saving around 60 percent um, wow. on their on their clothing and accessories bills <laughs> yeah Sounds uh, sounds really innovative. Is there any uh, other similar businesses out there or is it the first one in this area? Uh, in Austria, it's the first one. Uh, there are examples of this uh, in Denmark. Um, mm -hmm. There are two in Germany, although their focus is not sustainable clothing, but their business model, you can argue, sustainable, of course. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure there, there are a few other ones in Europe, but uh, I don't really... I don't know. I think there's one in the UK. Um, there's one, a couple in the US. Yeah. So you don't have to buy baby clothes anymore, right? You don't. Yeah, I mean, you never needed to. <laughs> <laughs> we can all, we have planted to go around of everything. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great, man. And uh, before I ask my last question, tell people where they can find you online. Okay, so uh, you can find about Prime Movers on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, the handle is primemovers.org, O-R-G. And our website is theprimemovers.org. So there are links to all of the ventures we talked about today there. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Medium uh, with Oka McAllister. And yeah, also, um, it's, uh, I think 
good to mention that uh, we talked about system thinking and stuff like that, which is a bit mm-hmm. complex of a, of a concept sometimes. And it might raise more questions than answers in the short amount that we covered it. So <laughs> I also wanted to mention that we're releasing an article soon targeted towards people who uh, have no previous knowledge about um, about these things, mm. about systems thinking that explains yeah. systems thinking in very plain language and how systems change and stuff like that. So you can, uh, that'll be on our website. So you can be on the lookout for that. Wow. I will definitely check that out. It's really, really um, an interesting topic. I'm also re- very much interested in that and I'm going to check out that as soon as it's online. And so my last question is where do you see yourself and your business in let's say 10 years time if you have to come up with a vision <laughs> oh wow okay um well i stopped trying to plan my life a long time ago but of course we have goals and ideal uh, roadmaps um and for me um i think in 10 years um kinby will have been included in several working groups and roundtables with the you know the goal of creating the best case practice for textiles and e-commerce Um, We would like to keep our learnings along the way open source. Um, It will be in 10 years, uh, hopefully one of the best case practice examples for for financially sustainable business as well that people point to when talking about our transition to a circular economy. Um, It will also be a a learning and dissemination hub to our customers as well, uh, educating people around the misconceptions of textiles and the systems behind it as well. Um, for one day, um, one day will uh, hopefully be, be a community that will make use of systems thinking and uh, its real-life application in social innovation uh, with the goal of you know, making people believe in their abilities uh, to change things and change systems. Um, hopefully by that time, we will have brought systems thinking more to the spotlight and hopefully others will be kind of copying that, copying this way of innovation and they're using it in their own organizations as well. Um, we're also um, hoping that the, the one day will also be actually um, Austria's first company builder for social businesses, um, mm-hmm. which will be working closely with Prime Movers. So creating avenues for impactful careers for young people, as well as creating financially sustainable companies. And uh, hopefully by that time, we'll also have some funds to invest in other social businesses as well within the company builder and not just building our own. That would be cool. And uh, Prime Movers will keep uh, creating, you know, leaders of change and positioning them in the most kind of impactful and leveraging organizations around the world. And by this time, of course, we'll also have been recruiting from our fellows to our own social businesses as well. And I missed Mission Liftoff, right? So this will also be a, a platform where teachers around the world can, you know, go to educate themselves about what they can teach about, you know, creating or designing the future for their students. Mm-hmm. It will, you know, it'll be a lot of things. I think it'll also be a tool to disseminate national sustainability strategies or SDG strategies to children faster than public institutions if we have enough access uh, to schools as well as a tool, of course, that teachers and, you know, educators will use to be the, you know, the, the light kind of for change in countries where this type of education is not appreciated. And for me, I will be 
sipping margaritas on the beach now. <laughs> no, I, I don't like margaritas. And I also don't like the beach, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be wherever I'm needed within all this. So it's hard to say. I'd like to be in the company builder because I enjoy the process of creating the startup. So I'd like to just kind of help create them and let them fly kind of thing. Kind of entrepreneur in residence. That would be like good, I think. Uh, but maybe I'll just, when I get old, maybe I'll just mellow out. I have no idea. Um, and another thing I would really enjoy is uh, a lot is consulting and systems thinking and transformation processes for uh, governments and stuff wow. like that. And, you know, wow. 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 eventually um, create some sort of yeah. foundation that focuses on initiatives that utilize systems thinking. Um, so let's, let's see. Um, now this is on, this is on record now. So let's see. <laughs> Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can listen it back. <laughs> All this sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, what a vision! Yeah, that's, that's millions of people are going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so man. I wish you good luck with all these aspirations. So sounds much. amazing, and um, see you around. And thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And again, I wish you good luck with all these things. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening and I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation, so please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening, take care and be limitless my friends.